Team USA in full swing, CJ McCollum, though, with interesting comments about why he dropped out. The NCAA comes up with their own Rich Paul rule, trying to blackball him. What are they trying to do? We'll talk about that next. And it's meme time. We're going to take a meme to a podcast. This absolutely has no chance of failing, does it? We're going to see here on the Locked On NBA podcast. Let's go. You are locked on the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Wednesday, Locked On NBA. We're still daily throughout the dead of the NBA season. We're still finding things to talk about. It's the Wednesday show. I am John Corrales, one of the regular co-hosts here. I am the co-host of the Locked On Celtics podcast. You can find me on Twitter at RedsArmy underscore John. And I am Nick Angstead. You can find me on Twitter at Nick Van Exit. I am the co-host of the Locked On Mavericks podcast with Isaac Harris. Nick, thanks for filling in here for Jake Madison. Unavailable today. This is going to be fun. Of course. I'm excited. I'm excited to explain a meme to everybody. That There is absolute <laughs> podcasting gold. And that is explaining a meme with a whole lot of photographs. In an audio format. Absolutely. This is guaranteed to work. <laughs> We're going to do that later on in the third segment. As we said earlier, let's start with Team USA. They have completed their second day. And the the interesting thing here as they try to pare their roster down to 12, it's not the original group of guys that they, they wanted. The, a lot of these guys here weren't even supposed to even be in camp. But it's because most, well, not most, a lot of the guys that were on the original invite list dropped out. Now, Kemba Walker is one of those guys, one of four Boston Celtics who are there, by the way. And Ooh. he said he's he enjoys the fact that these guys all dropped out. This is an opportunity for him and those to shine. This is our chance, he said. And this is uh, an opportunity for him to get on a, a big stage international stage where a lot of people around the world are going to be watching, even though Americans may not be too super into the FIBA world cup, this is an international stage. So he says, this is our chance to get on that big stage and showcase our talent. Uh, How much stock do you put into that? Let's start with that. How much stock do I put in that they they can showcase? Yeah. So this whole thing with, with, the big names, the Anthony Davises, the James Hardens dropping out. This is not new, right? Like this has been around for a, a long time. The big names usually don't do the FIBA World Cup. It's usually like, uh, in the, in the Kemba story, he's somebody, I think it was Greg Popovich said, this isn't C level players, but it kind of feels like the B C teams of Team USA, right? And that's, that's who we send out to FIBA. I don't think this is new, but I think it's, it's awesome for, you know, your Celtics guys. It's awesome for, you know, Tatum and it's, uh, Kyle Kuzma's like everywhere. Uh, Guys just getting a different opportunity. We heard good things about Donovan Mitchell, De'Aaron Fox. Guys getting that kind of opportunity. And you know what? If this past summer taught us anything, Team USA is prime area for guys to recruit other guys to join their team. And that's what it's all about at this point, right? Yeah, I think this is an opportunity for everybody to get to know each other a little bit. Yeah, you do a little bit of recruiting. Uh, I don't even know. I didn't even take a look at some of the the guys who might be free agents. Not that there are a ton of big names to be recruited. I guess the biggest name to be recruited is actually one of the Celtics, Jalen Brown, who could be a restricted free agent next year if they don't work out an extension. But, yeah, there is there is opportunity for guys to go out there and talk. 
One of the things that I brought up on the Lockdown Celtics podcast is an opportunity for guys who might not normally get this big stage to go out there and show themselves. You never know what kind of endorsements are going to be out there. There's an opportunity for you to, if you make a big name for yourself, basketball is more international than ever. There's There are people from around the world who are going to be very invested in watching these things. And Team USA, even though they're not full of the biggest of the stars, still have some really, really good players. They go out there and shine and win a gold medal. And if they, especially if they do it easily, I don't know, maybe it's a chance to make a little bit of money on top of it. Yeah, you, you put yourself out there. I mean, it's going to happen in August. There's really nothing that goes, goes on. I mean, we're talking about a meme in the third segment of our show. It's definitely <laughs> going to be talked about on this show. So, uh, it's a chance for them to be put on the biggest stage. Um, and it's also, it's an opportunity to go travel the world. I don't know how, you know, some of these younger guys that are just getting the NBA, they're maybe, just coming into money for the first time if they've traveled and been places. And I think that's a great opportunity for, you know, players like that. Uh, as far as like, like recruiting, I think it's also just planting a seed for years and years to come. I mean, like Donovan Mitchell is still on his rookie deal, but in three or, you know, three years or so when he's going to be a free agent, him and Kyle Kuzma talking, him and Jason Tatum talking, I mean, that, that can, they start those bonds then. I mean, the, the Miami Heat team with LeBron, Wade, and Bosch, that started, you know, two or three years before this, the seed was planted at the Olympics when they first got together and they're like, Hey, when we're free agents, let's all try to play together. Yeah. And, uh, that, that's completely invaluable. And what your point too is, you know, maybe they put themselves out there, they get some more money and get endorsements and they experience. I mean, it's all great. I'm looking at the roster from, from 2014 and Steph Curry's on there, Clay Thompson, um, Kyrie, uh, James Harden, Anthony Davis, but like LeBron is not on there. Durant is not on there. Kawhi isn't on there. Like the, the huge, the, the big name guys, uh, didn't, did not do this. And so we're seeing more and more of, of these, you know, star, we have more and more, you know, A level stars in the NBA. So that now that some of them drop out, it kind of seems more than, than past years feels like. Yeah. And, and now that brings us to CJ McCollum, who was on the Woj pod. And, and said a lot of things. And what stood out to me was his comments about not getting guaranteed that Olympic spot. To your point, like the team that qualified for the FIBA World Cup was a bunch of G-leaguers. People, we didn't even know about those games. All we know is that they did it. And that's the team that was coached <laughs> by Jeff Van Gundy. Yeah. So no, it's an anonymous USA team that qualified for this. Now this is a team that's going to be in between that and the Olympic team, a lot closer to the Olympic team. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but the fact is, CJ McCollum had a choice to make. He just came off a season where he didn't play. He played the fewest games of his career. He wants to get ready for a long playoff run. We've just seen super teams get blown up. There's no, there's no trio anymore. Everybody feels like they've got, they've got a chance. Let's listen. I'm going to play a minute long clip from the Woj pod about CJ McCollum explaining a little bit about that decision to drop out and, and how his future with Portland and how that, that the, the fact that there's no guaranteed invite from the Olympic team to, to be on the Olympic team, how that all played into it. For me, it's like, what's the point of me going to play in these games? What's the point of me going to, you know, what is it, 13 games, 26, 27 practices? You know, all that's great, but I get paid by the Portland Trailblazers. My job is to be ready to play from September to, to hopefully June. 
So anything could happen during that time frame. And as I said before, like this is the se- this is the season where I played the least amount of games as a full time starter in my career. So I had to be strategic with my planning and thinking, and then also having the foresight to understand that, like you said, if Kawhi wants to play on the Olympic team, he's making the roster. Right. LeBron, Steph. James, the list goes on and on. It's 12 spots. Am I going to go waste my bullets, <laughs> so to speak, now and then be tired and dragging throughout the regular season to not make the Olympic roster? Or do I just roll the dice and say, hey, I want to be as, as good as possible for my regular season? And then in the event that I want to revisit this next summer and they give me the opportunity, right. I take it. Nick, I feel like the thing that really stood out to me with this is just the honesty. Like, I'm being paid by Portland. Um, if I was guaranteed a spot in the Olympics, I would have played, but because of that, because I'm not, then I'm not going to go bust my ass and potentially hurt my chances this upcoming NBA season with no guarantee of being on the Olympics. So he's like, well, I could do this. And if I got that Olympic shine, yeah, but if I did that and it hurt me with the Blazers and I didn't get the Olympic shine, now I've cost my team and I've cost myself personally. Yeah, it's it's the what's in it for me kind of scenario, right? I sure. mean, the, the question at that point, he's he's had the huge contract now. He just got signed that huge extension. He's now there five years. So he has the the max type money. Uh, so the endorsements and stuff that you were talking about, yeah, maybe that could appeal to him. The planting seeds and trying to, you know, recruit guys, yeah, maybe he could do that. But for a guy like C.J. McCollum, who just went to the Western Conference Finals and is now looking at an NBA where it's it's as wide open as he's even seen it. You know, there's not a super team. There's not even, uh, there's not any teams right now with three stars, really. Uh, I guess you could count to Marcus Cousins, but <laughs> at this point, really, he's really not. Um, there's, there's really not any guys with, any teams with, with three established all-stars right now. And so, the, everybody needs to be, to gearing up for the, for the season. And that's kind of everybody's, you know, motivation. James Harden kind of said that. Anthony Davis kind of said that. CJ McCollum is now in that. And, there is more on the line for the on the NBA side than there is, you know, on on this FIBA side. That if if he was able to do the Olympics and if he was guaranteed a spot, like he said, he would have done it. So that means a lot to him, uh, and that's that's good that an NBA player is willing to say that you know the Olympics still do mean a lot to me, right? Because it's not just like these guys are you know putting down the flag and saying I don't want to represent the country, right? It's but it's not. There's a level to it. The, the Olympics mean something in the United States still, but these international competitions mean a whole lot more to other countries. So uh, you've seen, you see like Giannis, you've seen in the past Manu, you see all of these guys from different countries, Dirk, go out there, represent their countries in all of these different things. We sent G-leaguers to qualify this. Germany sent Dirk in the past to qualify these things. So that is just a difference in attitude, uh, which is fine because people don't make $30 million to play professionally in Germany. Uh, so being in the United States, it's just a different, a different attitude. Yeah. There's, there's a little bit of what's in it for me because there's so much in it for these guys on their own NBA teams that there has to be some Something. This whole notion of let me go represent Team USA at all costs, like that's that doesn't that doesn't fly anymore. There's there's you can look at this team that they're going to send to the FIBA World Cup, be like that team's really good. 
You yeah. put this NBA team out there. If you put this team out into the NBA, that'd be a really good team. They still wouldn't be title favorites, though. That's kind of wild. <laughs> throw all these guys out. I mean, who's starting on this team? Kemba? Uh, I guess Donovan Mitchell, Tatum, maybe. Yeah. Brooke Lopez. <laughs> It'd be a good team. It would, it would be a decent team, but they're not going to the finals. Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> Chris but Middleton. They, Chris Middleton. Yeah. They're missing, they're missing the top level stars. Right. Who all pulled out? Uh, so, I don't know, interesting stuff from, from CJ. I thought it was interesting. Um, and if you think it's interesting, please go check it out. We, we lifted that minute from the Woj pod. Go check out the full, co- I want to stress, go check out the full context of that quote and that conversation. That's just a minute. And I don't want you to think that that's the only minute of that conversation. <laughs> it's a full podcast. So I, I I know it's technically competition, but go to, like, we're competing with Woj. Like, right. <laughs> Come on. Uh, but go check out the, that full conversation, because I thought CJ, as he usually is, is very forthcoming and, and honest with his comments. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back. The NCAA is at it again. Again. <laughs> <sighs> Let's talk about that next on the Locked On NBA podcast. The NCAA instituting what many people are now calling the Rich Paul rule because it has created a rule for agents who are potentially representing guys who are testing the waters, quote unquote, the underclassmen who are considering leaving early but have done enough to come back to college should they not be happy with their draft position. It allows them to talk to agents. Uh the rule, why it's called the Rich, Rich Paul rule, why people are, are calling it that, why LeBron James is going nuts on Twitter about it, is because mm-hmm. it requires a bachelor's degree, which is the interesting part. Like, why a bachelor's degree? What does that <laughs> do for anybody? So <laughs> uh, it feels to me, Nick, like this is a pretty targeted thing. There's only one National Basketball Players Association certified agent. If that's a requirement, there's only one of those who doesn't have a bachelor's degree. It's Rich Paul. It feels like the NCAA is like basically trying to clamp down on that one particular guy and other guys who might kind of follow in his footsteps. Yeah, that it seems like the obvious one, right? And, it, and it's you know, multiplied by LeBron coming out and just retweeting anybody that says anything positive about about Rich Paul and Rich Paul's trending on Twitter and all that kind of stuff. And obviously now the narrative is driven now that this is a Rich Paul rule. And my question about it is, do they have issues with, you know, maybe not like the the high level guys, but just just random dudes coming off the street trying to to represent athletes? And if they do, then steering them the wrong way and not really knowing the business and not really under, having a good understanding of it and steering guys the wrong way. Just any dude, can any dude just come off the street and say, Hey, I'm an agent and make these calls. We were, we were saying how, you know, like it's 
a bachelor's degree. What does a bachelor's degree do? What does that teach you that's any different from, you know, somebody coming off the street? You don't really need that for the job. You're making calls and you're having contacts and you're, you know, setting up these things. You don't really need that. So can anyone really just come off the street and do that? And if they're trying to protect athletes from that happening, then putting some parameters on it, putting some requirements on it, albeit how antiquated they sound, then maybe that is helpful. That's the only way I can kind of rationalize it and say, this is going to be helpful for athletes. Is it? Is it protecting them from random dudes off the street? Yeah, I, I would think that there's a possibility. Like you can make the argument that some of these AAU guys who are unscrupulous and can take control of a player's path and say, "Hey, you know what? I'm an agent now." Uh, I mean, there is still, some... or even like even like a guy's brother or or somebody's dad or something like that. Does that? Because some of these other things, because it says you have to be, you know, certified from the NBA Players Association, you have to. Can, can it help some of these guys that maybe they feel pressure to have a family member represent them instead? But that that wouldn't qualify as an agent. You just say I don't have an agent, and so, you know, if, if yeah, I'm, well, sure, you can get around it for sure. Yeah, <laughs> if I'm if I'm a college basketball player and I say no, I'm not going to have an agent, but my dad's going to like do the negotiating for me. He's not my agent. It's he's. You know, yeah, that's really great at that point, <laughs> right? Like, I mean, I'm like, I'm gonna be there. I'm talking to my dad, like it's or my uncle, or this is a trusted family member. I'm, he's not my agent. He's not like whatever, whatever. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that. Does does anybody who speaks on your behalf become an agent? Like, if you say yeah. <laughs> if it's a family member, I don't know. That, that, I mean, that's an interesting point. Um. Yeah, what functionally, what functionally do agents do where only agents can do that? It's just, it is such a, a gray area job, which is maybe what makes a bunch of people feel like they can become that and do it. Sure. Uh, but I guess there is a certification. Like if you want to actually be an agent and represent players through whatever channels, I mean, you would have to represent multiple players. Like, okay, so I go and declare early and I'm like, oh, my dad's going to do the negotiating for me. That That's fine. Um, my dad's also going to do the negotiating for this dude from Duke and that good from Washington. I mean, then you start to really get into like, okay, now he's an agent. But when we're talking about these, these guys who are obviously agents, like Rich Paul is a certified agent by the National <laughs> Basketball Players Association. He represents the most powerful person in the NBA. Right. I mean, he's 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 got some of the biggest names in the league. Where I'm no fan of Rich Paul, but it's he's done a lot of work for a lot of people. A lot of players have chosen him to represent them. It's it's worked for them. He has both gotten a guy Anthony Davis to a team that he seems to want to go to. He is representing his friend LeBron James, but he's also done like. Draymond Green's extension, which could have been more. So it's not like he's totally greedy. Like for, for a lot of the things that we say, oh, he's done this. Like he. Tristan Thompson, J.R. Smith, those kind of guys. Right. You know, he's, he's got the KCPs of the world. Yes. You know what I mean? <laughs> but he also is like, he does seem to work in the client's best interest. And Anthony Davis, you might, there, there are people who will definitely say, no, he he worked in LeBron's best interest there, interest there, but I don't think Anthony Davis is very upset about yeah. being in Los Angeles either. So maybe seems pretty happy at this. Seems point. pretty happy. All of this is to say that 
he's an agent and he's the only guy that's impacted by this. And it feels, it definitely feels targeted. It feels targeted. It also smells of the NCAA and a lot of their rules that they come up with where we're like, wait, what? Like the whole thing where, oh, what was the story recently where a guy, you can't buy somebody breakfast if they're an NCAA athlete. Like just these, some of these weird rules and, uh, you know, paying players and all that stuff. They, they just has, it has the smell of a bunch of old guys in a room trying to come up with the best way to, you know, run this sport or run this and, and do it the, the best way that they know. And they do not have the pulse of, of what's going on at the lower levels. It's like the undercover boss show where, you know, the high executives are, you know, are, are doing their thing. And then they, they come down and they try to see if they can do the job of the, you know, the, the blue collar workers and they can never do it. And they're always really bad at it. And they just have no idea what it takes to actually do the job that they are like running and managing and all that kind of stuff. And they, they see that. It feels like that, where these guys are just like, okay, well, we want to protect these these athletes from, you know, these certain guys, maybe if that's what they're trying to say, or well, we can't just have anybody be an agent, so we want to, uh, maybe they're they're trying to protect in the future from from you know copycat Rich Pauls that'll come in and be like, I can be an agent, and maybe Rich Paul has inspired a whole bunch of people to be agents, which is which is cool for him, but for you know executives in the NCAA who see that, they're like, man, this could lead to a bunch of other guys just try to do it without having the um you know the backing of LeBron like Rich Paul does and have the the acumen and the you know the know-how. And so they go and they they look at this situation and they're like, "Okay, well let's put some parameters and requirements on there." Well, what can we think of? Huh? Let's put a bachelor's degree on there because that's just like the first thing that guys like that think of when when they they come up with any kind of job title, right? They're like, "Oh, you have to have that." That's easy for everyone to get, right? Like it's just not in the realm of their thinking that somebody could perform at a job and not have to have a bachelor's degree. And then they just throw in these other things like, oh, three years. That seems like such a random number, right? Like three years minimum certified with the uh, the Players Association. And then an in-person exam. Like, let's take a test, right? Isn't that just so college? Like, what, what do we have them do? Well, let's make them take an exam. Like, what the heck? It's, it's you know, you're doing a very good job of presenting possibilities about the NCAA, I, I think it really, we're going to go Occam's razor on this and be like, the easiest explanation is probably right. That the NCAA is, it is very rarely made decisions exclusively with the best interests of the student athletes in mind, specifically the student athletes that are Feeding the cash cow that is the NCAA. And frankly, it's the NCAA tournament, the men's NCAA tournament, and college football. Like That's what funds the uh, so much of the NCAA. And it, what it really lines the pockets of very rich people who are driving the NCAA. That's, there's none of this, even with coherent arguments that you possibilities that you presented none of it screams yes that's that seems legitimate like the ncaa is clearly clearly has some motive for trying to ban the rich pauls of the world because frankly i feel like they're afraid 
of what somebody like Rich Paul can do, the power that he has with young people, young players, the cachet that has been built by clutch sports amongst the young players, and the possibility that clutch sports can have an influence. Frankly, I think they see the influence that clutch sports has on the NBA, and they don't want they want to maintain their power over these players. They don't do you, want to have anything to do with clutch sports. Do you think this has anything to do with the age limit? Do you think that they're looking ahead and, and seeing like, okay, well, if he can convince all these guys to, to not go to college like LeBron did, right? Mm-hmm. And to just go straight to the NBA, then we got to limit this guy in some way, or we have to limit guys like that. That'll have that kind of interest in that way. Or is this, that just seem like it's just going to happen no matter what? Well, it, it, it might be both. I think they're trying to limit it and it may happen no matter what. Like it, it's, it, I, I think they there is a little bit of fear. I think there's a little bit of fear in the NCAA. For sure, they are they, they have the potential to lose control. The NCAA is in a real uh, tenuous position here. I think because of the impending rule where high school players can go directly to um, directly to the NBA. I think the possibility of them losing these guys earlier and earlier from college is is something that they don't like. And right now. Clutch sports has a tremendous amount of influence over basketball in general, and I don't think they like it, and I think they're just trying to keep Rich Paul out of their sport. Um, <laughs> and so um, I'll leave it at that because we're oh, going to go man. way, way Yeah, can, we can go down some rabbit holes there. Yes, we'll leave it at that. Needless to say, I'm no fan of the NCAA machine. So, But what I am a fan of, fan of is memes on Twitter. <laughs> Even if we have to explain those memes to you, visual, audio, whatever. We'll do it next in the Locked On NBA Podcast. Twitter user, you have observed, no doubt, some variation of a cartoon cafeteria, tables that have names or pictures of people, uh, and numbered tables that say, which table are you sitting at? Basically, the premise is, all of these potential interesting, combustible personalities, blah, 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 you have to pick one of these tables to sit at. They're... In, uh, I saw one from Yahoo Sports, which I thought was interesting, that has 10 tables. And my particular choice, and there's people all over these things, LeBron, uh, you have Tom Brady, Steve Kerr. Uh, Chrissy Teigen, like super random yeah, people. Like random <laughs> Taylor random, Swift. Yeah, it's just wild. It's just a wild combination of Oprah. Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I chose a table with The Rock, Greg Popovich, and Serena Williams because mm. I – I frankly don't see how you can top that trio. But you apparently have other options. Okay, I, I, have, I have one. There's a table in the corner, and I don't know why this would be in the corner, but it has Mike Krzyzewski, J.J. Watt, and Oprah Winfrey. I just want, I just want a, I just want to sit down with Oprah and talk to Oprah. I don't really care about Mike Krzyzewski. Sure, I can ask him about some, 
you know, some Duke things and, you know, Christian Leitner things. I don't know, I guess. J.J. Watt, I don't know what I would talk to him about. But Oprah Winfrey is, is just very interesting to me. And I would just want to sit down and have you ever seen 30 Rock, that show? It was oh, on yeah. NBC a while ago. There's a scene where, where, uh, where Tina Fey, she, uh, she plays this character and she's on a plane. Yeah. She's on a plane and she takes this, she takes like a, a sleeping pill or something. She's on the plane and she has this, you know, this, she thinks that she's sitting next to Oprah. And so Oprah is actually there. She cameos in the episode. She talks to Oprah. Just Oprah just like makes her life so much better just in that one plane ride. And she is just like, I met Oprah on this plane ride and she's like, why was Oprah in coach with me? She didn't understand. And she went back and then later in the episode, she realizes when Oprah came to visit her, that it was actually like this 16 year old girl that kind of looked like Oprah just a little bit with the hair (laughs) and it wasn't Oprah at all. But that time that Tina Fey spent with Oprah Winfrey makes me think that if I could just spend like 30 minutes with Oprah Winfrey, that I would just be I would go from like a D minus human to like a C plus human, right? Like she could just take me from, from one level to another, just in her, her wellness or in whatever tactics she has. And, and could she just become like my aunt, right? Yeah. Oprah <laughs> does make everybody's life better. You know, JJ Watt, JJ Watt's cool dude. Um, I still love the video of him breaking a kid's bike on his, I don't know if you saw that. He's like, he just happened to be like, it was training camp and his little kids like, Oh, I'm going up to training camp with you. And he, he like took this little kid, whatever that situation was. He's like, Oh, this is going to be funny if I ride the kid's bike. And he's like 260 pounds and he got on this yeah. little kid's bike and he just basically crushed the bike under his own weight. <laughs> so, uh, I would want to see if JJ Watt could just lift me over his head, right? Yeah, like, can right. you just pick me up and just bench me like over your head? It's kind of, kind of why I want to have lunch over here with the rock. Yes. I want to be the Rock's tag team partner. I want to drop the people's elbow on somebody, just once, <laughs> without the police being involved. Uh, obviously, Pop is a guy you want to pick pick his brain. And Serena, I'll be honest. Yeah. I've had a thing with Serena for a long time. I'm completely in love with Serena Williams. She's awesome. She's a killer athlete. She's a great person. She's strong. Like, I just, I love everything about Serena. That table to me, I can't, I can't just, I am obsessed with that table, but we can build our own tables. This is our show. It's our meme. We can create our own table. We'll just open it up to any sort of basically the parameter is NBA person who is currently able to join you for a meal. And you've got three people. Some people, some of these have two people pick a couple people, two, three people that you want to have your lunch with man uh if i had to think of of a table and this is just anybody in nba history the first name that can't is be able to accept that invitation yeah they have to be alive the the first name that came to my head and i don't know if this i don't know if this says good things about me or not i grew up a lakers fan and i was born in la i cover the the mavericks now but i was i was raised lakers fan i still am a lakers fan and when they, when, when Ron Artest hit a shot from a corner and he hit it, they won the championship and he runs off. He's, he's screaming. He's like, he passed. He passed. He what goes to the press conference I don't and uh, it existed. It happened. It actually did. I know locked on Celtics. You understand? 
And no. he goes to the press conference, and he's thanking his therapist, and he just goes on this really long – I used to have it in my Facebook, like, about me. They used to – in your Facebook about me, like, bio, <laughs> it, used to, it used to say favorite quotations, and I just pasted the URL from that YouTube video of Ron Artest just thanking his therapist and going through his whole thing because it was just – that was just euphor- that was a euphoric That's moment for fantastic. me. So I would have Meta World Peace, Panda's Friend, as uh, one of my – the people on my table. And I would also have Dennis Rodman. Dennis Rodman would be incredible. And I would just like to just sit there and watch those two guys ping pong a conversation back and forth. Just like talk about whatever you guys want to talk about. And then, uh, throw Dirk Nowitzki in there too. Have Dirk and I'll, Dirk and I would just be sitting at one side of the table and I would just like to see what Dirk would say to Dennis into a Meta World piece. Cause he, oh, he likes to stir the pot a little bit. He likes to push people's buttons a little bit. He's super funny. And, uh, I, I've loved my time with Dirk, uh, covering him and seeing, uh, how he acts in a locker room. And to be around those two guys would just be, it would be incredible. You could take one of those Liz Lemon pills from the, uh, the flight. <laughs> really amp up that. Uh, I wake up the next day and it's just like a tall German guy and just two, <laughs> two, two guys across the table. One with like crazy hair and that was yeah. it. <laughs> um, okay. So my table, I'm keeping pop because the, why not? As you should. You give, you give pop a couple glasses of red wine and he loosens up and, I think I think when he's not doing like mid quarter interviews, he's actually really talking to people. He's an engaging <laughs> an engaging guy. Uh I have just been dying to have a conversation for any length of time, but for the maximum possible length of time with Bill Russell. Uh mm. growing up a Boston guy, uh you have obviously the, the the legend of Bill Russell, greatest champion of all time. Uh, led the glory days of the Celtics through the greatest run any NBA team is ever going to have. And, but beyond the basketball stuff, a civil rights icon, uh, first black coach, uh, a, a guy who fought for equal rights alongside Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Jim Brown, uh, Muhammad Ali, and who went through a segregated South and had to deal with with that just to hear how he dealt with that and still excelled uh, I would be fascinated endlessly I would be happy to just have lunch with him but um throw him throw pop and then Larry Bird has to be a guy for me like and I obviously I'm drawn to these high level intellects the thing about Larry Bird and it pisses me off so much when I hear these young kids talk about how Larry Bird would have not excelled in today's NBA. But like, send him off your lawn. Grr, grr. <laughs> uh, get that Clint Eastwood, uh, gif out there. Uh, but these guys, they see things at just a different wavelength. And knowing that I could never possibly ever see things at that wavelength. I want to sit at a table with those guys. I almost want to sit back and listen to them talk and maybe chime in every once in a while with, hey, what about this? And then just let them play off of each other because that's like creating electricity, just the brain power at that table. I'm endlessly fascinated by these these guys who can see this game at a level that is unfathomable to me. Um, and, and I feel like I know the game. These guys know it like at a level I could never possibly understand. 
Yeah, and it's, it's why they're so good. I mean, they have a certain level of athleticism, but we see athletes come into the NBA all the time. I mean, you feel like every single, every single draft, there's like four guys like, dang, that is the greatest athlete I've ever seen in my life. And then they phase out in like three years or one year or so. But it's these guys, the next level intellect that just can see the game in a different way. And they've played so much. Like they will play more basketball than we ever could play. Like we can play rec league or, you know, we can play the, the Y or, or lifetime or wherever. As much as we want, we'll never play as much basketball as they did because they did it for a living. Yeah. Uh, and they just, there's so much hands on experience. The thing about these guys on top of it, I, I always say the, the elite players have a mental thing that another, no one else has. Like when I was playing basketball, there was a, a level where you're like, okay, that, that's enough. I did a lot. That's enough. And, but those guys would never say it's enough. Yeah. Larry and Magic is like those guys, they just keep going because in their head, they had a thing that said he's still working. So I have to still work. It's the same thing that made Michael Jordan give that Hall of Fame speech, that thing that holds on to like the slights of the past, like, all right, Mike, you're in the Hall of Fame. You don't have to, like, <laughs> crap all over the people from high school. You're in the Hall of Fame. People think you're the greatest of all time. Let it go. But you can't let that go. The best of the best can't let it go. So you take that intelligence and that drive and the physical ability, and that's what makes these guys, like, what they were. So, but anyway. Man, that that uh, the table meme got us really deep it in really that did. conversation of high-level NBA intellect. Right. That they're they're those guys, and we're doing a podcast <laughs> in early August. So that puts that all in perspective. Um, hope you've enjoyed this podcast. Yeah, but hey, you're listening to a podcast by two guys <laughs> talking. <about them. laughs> oh God! I uh, hope you've enjoyed it. If you've got something uh, to add, if you want to tell us, tell us who your table is, if you want. Yeah, you know. Tweet me. I'm at Red's Army underscore John. Nick's at Nick Van Exit, which is still one of the greatest Twitter names that I think is out there in NBA Twitter. So do that. Uh, subscribe to uh, subscribe to Nick. You're locked on Mavs. Subscribe to that. Subscribe to Locked On Celtics. Subscribe to Locked On NBA. And we hope that you are listening tomorrow when David Locke continues our daily Locked On NBA. This has been Locked On NBA podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network.